Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. So We're glad that you are here this morning regardless. We've been in a series called How We Roll Now for the last four weeks. I think this is the fifth week. Uh, we'll wrap it up next week. Uh, and we've been talking about how if we believe something, uh, we, it should change the way that we behave. If it's not, it's just kind of a concept in our head, and we've got to move it from a concept in our head to a conviction in our heart. And when it does, it requires us to change. And so our beliefs as a church and the values that we have really don't mean a lot unless you behave it, unless you be live it in your life. And so we've been going over our values and what we're about as a church and talking about community and life groups and serving and all of those things that make Adventure Church what it is. And I want to encourage you also just to sign up for a group. They launched those last weekend. And so many of them are filling up quickly. And so if you want to get in a group, Get, one, get in one, get online to do that, and if one fills up in a time slot that you wanted, then you can start one. How cool is that, right? And then other people can join you. But we're excited today. Uh, Pastor Mel Massengale is here with us, and so uh, he's really no stranger to Adventure Church. I say that he's a guest speaker, but he's really not. Uh, he's not only been a, a friend of Jess and I's now for about eight years, but has just been uh, uh, he serves on our board of overseers here at the church. So we have an executive leadership team. This is Church Government 101 for you uh, that serves as our kind of church board, and they kind of help make decisions for our church body. And uh, then we have a board of overseers, which is made up of pastors that are kind of all over the country that help kind of consult and lead me and our church board as well. And so uh, Mel serves in that role and uh, has been a frequent speaker here and has done a great job in the first two services today and has a great message to bring today uh, as far as how we roll with unity here at Adventure Church and being unified. So can we give a big, warm Adventure Church 1130 service welcome to Mel Massengale. Thank you, Kyle. Good morning. How are we today, Adventure Church? Good. It's great to see you all. Uh, my name is Mel Massengill. Like Pastor Kyle said, I pastor a great church over in Indiana, Pennsylvania uh, called Summit Church. And uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, uh, especially, it's funny, the, the more often I'm with you, the more it feels like we're just family. Like, hey, this is just what we do. And so it's great to be with you today. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, don't judge the church based on me, okay? Come back next week. It'll be way better, I promise. Uh, but no, you guys, I hope you understand how blessed and how fortunate you are to have the pastors you have, that Pastor Kyle and Jess Hammond are fantastic leaders and pastors, and they love you. And um, God, God does not work in a vacuum. He uses leaders. And, uh, and I just want you to know, um, not everything that's happening here is just because of Pastor Ch uh, Kyle and Jess. But God uses people like this, and so uh, it's exciting to see what God's doing. It's fun to see. I I've been part of churches that were in decline, and, and I've been part of churches that were growing. It's way more fun to be part of a growing church, I promise. Uh, and so it's great to see what God is doing here, and it's fun to be a part of it. As Pastor Kyle said, uh, we are continuing the series called How We Roll Today, and, uh, and at my church today, we're wrapping up a series that we're really talking about our values as well, and 
Uh, the values of this house dictate the culture of the house. So even in your home, there's a culture in your home, in your family. You might not talk about it, but there's a culture there because you have values whether you talk about it or not. And one of the great things that we're doing through this series is we're talking about the values that make this home what it is, that dictate the culture of this home. And I love that. And so if you've missed any part of the series, go back and listen. It's been a great one. Um, but today we're going to be talking about unity. And I believe there's a great sense of unity within this body already. But there are some great days ahead of Adventure Church. I believe the best days are in front of us. And one of the only things that can derail this church from its intended purpose is disunity in the body of Christ. I truly believe that. Um, and, and so it's important for us, even though it is a unified body, that we continue to steward that unity well, that we understand that that is not something we should take for granted, that we work for and work on. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, he was writing to the Ephesian church, and he says this in verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work uh, and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So what he says first in this passage is, um, hey, God has given you leaders, we'll just group the, that, those people together. God's given you leaders, and their purpose is not to do ministry. Their purpose is to raise up people in the body to do ministry. The, what their intended purpose is, is to call out the, the ministry that's resident in you, because God has called all of us to ministry. That is not the job of the people that stand on this stage. It is all of our opportunity to be part of what God wants to do. So when Pastor Kyle invites you to be part of a, a team to serve, um, he's not asking you to do him a favor. He's inviting you to be part of God's plan for this community and for this area, that, that God has chosen in his sovereignty to use you to reach people in this area. And so we're not doing Adventure Church a favor whenever we serve. We're fulfilling our purpose. We're doing what God has called us to do, to be a part of reaching this area. But he says, this will continue until we reach such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we be made mature in the Lord. So what he's saying is, um, we continue to be led, and there will come a day that if we're mature enough, that we'll be so unified in our faith that, that, um, that we won't have to be led in that way anymore. But how many of you know, maturity is something we continually strive for. This is what it's saying. It, those that are mature will be unified in their faith. People, um, you have to understand, unity is a byproduct of maturity. That as we are matured in our faith, unity is a byproduct of that. Now, this is true in homes. It's true in businesses. Think about this for a minute. Think about the most dysfunctional families you've seen. And not, nobody in this, nobody here, nobody in Columbus has dysfunctional families. I'm talking about Pennsylvania. Those people are dysfunctional, right? Uh, but, but think about it. You've seen dysfunctional families. Now think about the leaders of that family. Typically, they're not mature leaders. They're people that are immature. They're selfish, whatever it might be. Uh, think about companies you've been around or you've seen. Companies that were dysfunctional a lot of times are led by a leader who's dysfunctional, not mature. And so what we have to understand is a natural byproduct of maturity in our life is unity in the organizations we're connected to, whether it's our family, our church, whatever it might be. It goes on to say in verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. 
Instead, we will speak truth in love. So I want you to remember that phrase. We're going to come back to it in a minute. Truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, this is a metaphor we see Paul use several times, most prominently in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He talks about how the body works together. We can't all be a hand. We can't all be an eye. That the body is working together in, in health. Um, now, this is what I want you to understand. In order for us to steward unity well or to protect unity well, uh, one of the things I want to mention to you today, the first thing if you're taking notes, is that we focus on unity and not uniformity. Because our body is u- unified, but it's not uniform. Uh, so, so what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 is, we can't all be a hand. Because a hand that's not connected to the body is useless. Has anybody ever seen the, uh, do you remember the old hamburger helper commercials? And it's got the hand, and it's got the face on the hand. Isn't that terrifying? Or in the hand is talking. Like if you saw that in real life, that'd be so disconcerting, wouldn't it? Because that's not natural. It's not normal. That's not how a hand functions, right? And this is how we want to function in the body of Christ sometimes. We go, well, hey, we should be this. And we, but we understand we're not supposed to be uniform. We don't all function as hands. Uh, let's be honest. Some of us function differently. Some of us are behind the scenes. Some of us are not seen. How many of you know, if if you can see your kidneys, you might have some problems, right? (laughs) You got some issues. You got a condition, okay? Um, There are things that are seen. There are things that are unseen. There are parts of our body that are more prominent than others. Unfortunately, I've got a prominent part of my body I need to be working on, right? (laughs) But the truth is, we all function differently, but we function together, unified, to be a healthy whole. That's what God is calling us to do. Uh, Even though we are very different, we function together in unity. In Acts chapter 2, Paul's talk, I mean, uh, Luke is writing this, his his account of the day of Pentecost. And um, Jesus, after he had ascended, or when he was ascending into heaven, he told his disciples, go wait on the Holy Spirit in the upper room. So wait on the Holy Spirit to show up. And so they go, 120 are waiting in the upper room. And it says in Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And this word together, it doesn't mean that they were physically in a room together. I mean, they were, but it doesn't just mean that they happened to be occupying a space together. What it really means is this word together is, is in the Greek is homothumadon. And homothumadon means um, same spirit or same passion, or even if you translate it literally, same fire. Now, what this is, is um, this group of people that were very diverse had come together to wait on the Holy Spirit. They heard from Jesus. They said, let's go do what he told us to do. And they waited on the Holy Spirit to show up. And very different backgrounds. Uh, that You literally had tax collectors and you had, uh, you had people that were noted like aristocracy. You had people who were working class, blue collar, business owner, all these different kinds of people had come together for this. And, and they waited on the Holy Spirit to show up. And the Holy Spirit showed up because they were together, they were unified, and that day 3,000 people were saved. Now, this is what you have to understand. What we're, let me illustrate what we're talking about. Um, if you go to uh, the Horseshoe, you're watching the Ohio State University. Is there any other university besides Ohio State University? This is me pandering to the crowd, by the way, okay? Because at my church today, there was a whole bunch of sad Penn State fans, okay? So um, I don't really care. I'm from Oklahoma. I don't care who wins. So 
So I'm going to pander to you shamelessly. So we all go, we watch the Ohio State University Buckeyes play at the horseshoe, and we all come together. And if you're watching people, I watch people. If you're watching people, you're going to recognize, hey, we're all wearing Ohio State shirts, but we're all very different. Like, we're driving to the game in different cars, right? Like, I couldn't, my family couldn't afford that kind of car. Like, collectively, we couldn't. Like, you know, um, you've got different ethnicities. You've got different groups of all kinds of people that are showing up to root on Ohio State. And you get to the game, and maybe it's an exciting game like the one last night. And at the end of the game, Ohio State fans, they score the winning touchdown. They kick the winning field goal. And it doesn't matter who you are. In that moment, when your team wins, the crowd they rise together, they cheer, they're hugging, they're high five people you don't even know. It doesn't even matter. Why? Because homothumadon, same fire, yeah. right? What divides us is less important than what, what unites us. What unites us? We all love Ohio State, right? And so in this moment, in the upper room, what divided them was less important than what united them. And what united them was the Spirit of God, was the command of Jesus. So they said, hey, it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, what brings us together today, what unites us is the Spirit of God. And as a result, amazing things happened. 3,000 people were saved that day. Now this is the thing. If you look at the account in Scripture, what it says is, um, they say, that the witnesses said that Peter was unlearned. So he was, he was unlearned is the word it, it uses, but the Greek for unlearned is idiotes. And that is the word, does that sound familiar to anybody? Idiotes? That is where we get the word idiot today. So literally what they said is, this guy's an idiot, right? But there's something about him. We recognize that he's been with Jesus. And this is what happens when we can walk in unity together. God can do powerful things among us. Even those of us that are idiots, God can use now, I know there's no other idiots here, but aren't you grateful that God can use anybody for his glory when our hearts are right before him? Amen. If you skip down to verse 42, and it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And this is what you have to understand. In this setting, I'm not calling us to go sell all of our stuff and quit your jobs. We're moving to a, a piece of property, a commune out in the That's what I'm saying today. But what I am saying is the, the community that they were building was unified, and they were one body. And what they decided is, if you have a need, it's not your need, it's my need. Uh, my daughter, <laughs> my 16-year-old daughter, she, we got a new rug for our living room. And when you unroll it, it's on this big, thick, heavy. It looks like a paper towel roll, except like on steroids, so it's real thick, it's heavy, it's like seven foot tall, and so she was moving it for us, and the other day, night she calls me, she's super dramatic, I don't know, you, if you, do you know any dramatic 16-year-old girls? Uh, so my daughter calls, she said, Daddy, I hurt myself, what's wrong, baby? She said, well, I dropped this, I dropped something on my toe, what'd you drop on your toe? I dropped the, uh, the big roll that the carpet came on, I said, the, the paper towel roll? That's what you dropped on your toe? Yeah, Daddy, but it hurts, it's turning black and blue, and and my daughter, she will check WebMD constantly. So I, I asked her, did you check a Web, WebMD? And it was just silence on the other end of the phone. I was like, come on. Anyway, baby, you'll be fine. I promise we'll be home. So when I got home, I looked, and sure enough, that toe was black and blue. I mean, it looked bad. And uh, my first thought when I saw it was, she's losing the toenail. But I did not tell her that. I was like, ah, you'll be fine. Because <laughs> I didn't want to validate how she was feeling. Like, oh, it'll be okay. But this is the thing. The next morning when she woke up, she had a hard time getting down the steps because her whole foot hurt. 
right? It wasn't just her toe, the whole foot hurt. And this is what we take for granted sometimes. In the body of Christ, if one part of the body hurts, the whole body should hurt. Because we don't go, the hand doesn't say, well, that's just a toe issue, right? The whole body is responding. The whole body is thrown into action because of the trauma of one part of the body. And this is the way it should function. But for so many of us, we go, oh, no, no, that's a foot problem on my hand. But what we see here is the, the, the first century church said, no, 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 no. If you have a problem, that's a me problem. That's not a you problem. Oh, you can't pay your rent? Guess what? That's not a you problem. That's a me problem. We're going to help you pay your rent. If I have to, I'm going to sell something I've got to help you in your issue. And that sounds so radical to us, doesn't it? But generosity was a byproduct of their, universe, uh, their unity. And see, what we have to understand in a crowd, if something bad happens, everyone takes care of themselves. But in authentic community, when bad things happen, everyone takes care of each other. We will rally together because it's not about me taking care of myself. It's about I care for you. I'm for you. We are in this thing together. That's what unity does. If you go on in verse 46 then, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, and they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And listen to this. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And I love this because what it's saying is at the end of the day, they were unified, they came together, but it wasn't just to be nice to each other. It wasn't just to make sure their bills got paid. It wasn't self-preservation. Their purpose was, we want to see the world turned upside down for God. Amen. And it says the result of their unity was it was attractive to unbelievers, and day by day they were adding to the number of those who were being saved. I've been part of churches that we went stretches without ever seeing anyone change for the glory of God. We would have our church and we'd go through the motions. But I'm thankful Adventure Church is not a church like that. Day by day, every time this church gets together, we're seeing people surrender their lives to Christ. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to encourage you, there's no pressure, but at the end of this worship experience today, you're going to have an opportunity to surrender your life to Christ. If you feel like you should, if today's your day, you're going to have an opportunity to do that. Because that's a byproduct of unity. When we see people come together and sacrifice what they care about for something that's more important, God works in amazing ways. See, unity paves the way for the Holy Spirit to move. Um, and this is true in your home, in this church, in your workplace. Because I don't think anybody's here who would say, you know what, I don't really got, need God to work in my house. I don't need God to work in my family. We're good. Do you want God to work? Well, the way that God works in your family is to begin with unity in your family. It's amazing how ununified, did I just make up a word? Uh, how ununified our, some of our families are. Husbands and wives, are, they're not on the same page, they're not getting along. I'm telling you today, unity makes all the difference. Amos 3.3 says, do two people walk hand in hand if they're not going to the same place? It's impossible. This is true in church marriage and your business. One of the problems so many times is that people can't walk to the same place because of something they prefer. So the next thing I would talk to you about today is the, the way that we steward unity well is that we understand that it's about principles and not preferences. A preference is a greater liking for one alternative over another or others. A principle is a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. So a preference is something that we like. A, a principle is something that is foundational to who we are. 
uh, in my home, a preference, or maybe even in your home, a preference is um, where you squeeze the toothpaste from. Because you can either squeeze it from the middle, or you can act like a rational person <laughs> and put it over the edge of the counter and run it all up, because you're not wasting any toothpaste, right? But only a crazy person would squeeze it in the middle, like my wife. What happens? Will you squeeze in the middle? Did you know that people actually fight about this stuff? Does it matter? Is it going to matter an hour from now or a day from now or a week from now or a year from now? No. But what happens? Those things drive us crazy, right? Toilet paper, over or under? Over, indeed. That's not a preference. That's just the right way to do things and then wrong people. It's over. <laughs> She just got more excited about that part of the message than any other part. <laughs> the Holy Spirit just, yes, Lord, that's good preaching, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, it's supposed to be over. But again, at the end of the day, who cares? My girls, they don't, even, they don't even put toilet paper back on their toilet paper roll anymore. They just have empty toilet paper rolls stacked up, like three of them at a time, next to the toilet paper roll they're actually using. Does that make sense? So they, can't even, they can't even take the time to like go and put it back on. Like, oh, it's too much work. That could drive me crazy, but at the end of the day, does it really matter? No, it's a preference. <laughs> Pastor Kyle will be available for counseling after the message today. So. You, you know how OCD you are if you have to rearrange the dishes in the dishwasher after somebody has loaded the dishwasher? Like my kids, 13 and 16, they load the dishwasher, and sometimes I'll open it, I'll be like, oh, no, no, I push it back in and close it, I'm like... No, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine, right? Because there's a way you put this, the, the cups in there. And there's a way. You don't put the bowls here. You put them there, right? None of it matters. It's preference over principle. Principles. There are some principles in our house. The principles primarily are these three things. We pray over our girls these things every single day. It's wise choices, others first, and healthy relationships. We pray that God will help them in these three areas. Because if they get these three areas right, the rest of their life will probably fall into place. God, help them do these three things. These are principles for us. These are foundational. These are the things we talk about. So when I'm correcting my girls, these are the things we come back to. Um, these are the things I pray over them. They hear them constantly. And it's important. These are the things that really matter. There, there's a passage I want to share with you. It's Proverbs 14.4. And the, the writer of Proverbs says, Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. So what it's saying is we have a choice to make. We can either have a clean barn or we can have an abundant harvest, but we cannot have both. We have to choose what's most important. So when my girls go to like youth camp for a week, it's really nice because we can leave their bedroom doors open because their rooms stay clean for a whole week, which is like a sign of the apocalypse when your kids' rooms stay clean, right? <laughs> So we can leave the doors open, and I could choose to keep sending my kids to camp because I get a clean house, right? But do you know what I love more than a clean room? My daughters. So I have a choice to make. Well, it's not a choice. I'll take my daughters every day of the week. I can live with the dirty rooms because I love my daughters. So it's a choice. In our churches, so many times across America, our churches have made a decision. We'd rather have a clean barn than an abundant harvest. Because an abundant harvest means a messy barn. Because I don't know if you've ever been in an agrarian area, agriculture, where there's, there's animals and animals leave messes. Do I have to be explicit? 
When there's oxen in the barn, they're going to make a mess. And that means somebody's cleaning up the mess. And sometimes we have, as churches have made the decision, it's easier to not have a mess and not have a harvest. And we've made that choice. And really we're saying that's our preference. But, but there's a principle that overrides that. The principle here at Summit, I mean at, at Summit Church, at Adventure Church is to help people discover new life in Christ. That's the principle that drives us. That's a principle that, that makes us do everything we do. Everything we do is about seeing people transformed for the glory of God. That is the principle. So what happens is, like at my church, um, we have people that will say, you know what, Mel, I, I really like hymns. Why don't we sing more hymns? And I'll say, hymns are great. I grew up singing hymns. I don't have a problem with hymns. But we have a principle in our church that we want to see lost people saved. And statistically, there are more people saved in churches that are reaching young people. And if we want to reach young people, we probably aren't going to sing very many hymns. And if we do sing hymns, it's not going to be the way you sung them when you were a kid. And so we love hymns and we love older people, but do you know what we love more than hymns? We love seeing lost people saved. So the principle overrides the preference. Does that make sense to anybody? In our church, we have three services. I know you guys recently went to three services. Um, and, and in our church, I would prefer to have one service, 1030 on Sunday morning. That's the magic time, right? And we preach and then we finish and we beat the Methodist church to lunch. That's how it would be. <laughs> One service a weekend, that would be perfect. But do you know why we don't have one service a weekend? Because we would have to make a decision and say, who are we not going to reach? And I'm not going to make that decision. So do you know what's more important than my preference? The principle of reaching lost people for the cause of Christ. So at the end of the day, we say, I'm laying down my preference for the principle of reaching lost people. I have a guy in our church, um, he's in his mid-70s, his name's Carl. Carl's a great guy. Carl hadn't been coming to our church very long, and he made an appointment with me. And if somebody makes an appointment with me, I know it's either really good or really bad. Um, and it remains to be seen. So Carl shows up, and he sits down, and we start talking. And he said, hey, I want to talk to you about worship. And I thought, oh, gosh, here it comes, Right? And I, I, I said, I just want you to know I love the worship at Summit Church. Wait, what? What did you just say? He said, I love the worship at Summit. So that's weird, Carl, because most people in your age demographic don't like our style of worship. And he said, no, 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 no. I, I'm not crazy about the style, but I love the worship. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, I grew up on Gaithers and singing hymns. And he said, that's my preference. That's what I listen to. But he said, um, I don't really care what song we sing because I look down my row and I see my kids and I see my grandkids and I see their friends worshiping and I don't care what we sing as long as they're engaged. And what he's saying is I'm willing to lay down my preference for the principle of seeing lost people one to Jesus Christ. And what we have to continually do in our hearts is say, is this a preference or is this a principle? Is this something I prefer or is this something that's helping us become who God wants us to be? And am I willing to lay this down? Because if you're not willing to lay it down, there's trouble. Because what happens in so many churches is a preference because, becomes, we treat a preference like a principle, and it becomes more important to us than Scripture. That's why so many churches across our nation are, are shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. They would rather die slowly than change and give up on one of their preferences. And at the end of the day, we have to be willing to lay down our preferences for the principle that lost people are important, and we're going to help people discover new life in Christ. The third thing I would tell you today, in order to steward unity well is that we have to fix problems biblically. Remember earlier I said truth in love. Some people love to speak truth, but they don't like saying it in love, do they? They love being, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, oh gosh, here it comes, right? 
Because you know they're not, there's not an ounce of love in this. And Jesus was a master. Jesus didn't water anything down. I love the interaction he had with the woman at the well. He didn't approach the woman at the well and say, hey, I know you've had some problems in your background. Don't you worry about any of that. Just know I love you. Did he? No. He said, you know what? Um, yeah, I know you're not married. You've been married four times. And the guy you're shacked up with now is not your husband either, is he? That's direct, isn't it? I mean, he didn't hold anything back. But then he gave her a big dose of love along with it, didn't he? In fact, he loved her so well in that moment that she went back to her town and brought everybody back to hear about Jesus and hear what he was doing. So Jesus was a master of truth and love. And this is what Jesus instructs us to do in order to fix the problems we've got relationally with other people. In Matthew 18, he says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Did you hear that part? Between you and him alone. It doesn't mean you post something on social media, even if it's veiled. People are smart. They know when you go, I hate it when people respond da, 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 on social media. They're going to know who you're talking about, right? That is not mature. That is junior high. Do you know how I know that? Because I have a junior hire in my house that lives with me, okay? That's what junior hires do. That's not what mature believers do. So he says, you go between you and him alone and work this out. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses even to listen to the church, let him be as a Gentile or tax collector to you. So what he's saying is you continue to escalate. And the goal is not to punish. The goal is to reconcile. Because he says, if you can reconcile, you gain a brother back. But the problem is we don't like this because it's hard. Again, this kind of comes back to preferences a little bit. We go, I'd rather live with this bitterness than have an awkward conversation and maybe work things out. They don't even know they did anything. I'm just mad, right? So I would prefer just to nurture my bitterness, my hurt, my pain. I'd rather be the victim than have a difficult conversation. And what we don't understand is we're robbing ourselves and we're robbing the body of Christ of the payoff. The payoff is reconciled relationships. Uh, you gain a brother out of this. That is the payoff. If, if you read on down, a lot of times we leave that passage just as it is and we don't read any further. If you read on down, Jesus says, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, you bind in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there am I among you. What he's saying is there's power in unity. Did you hear what he said? Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There are spiritual implications for what you're doing. And neglecting to reconcile in a godly way with the people that you're in conflict with is not mature to, to say, I'm going to ignore this. It's mature to say, hey, I'm going to fight for unity in our relationships. That's challenging. It's not easy. But the goal isn't to be right. It's to be righteous. <laughs> I'm sure you're the same way. I've won a few arguments and lost a few relationships because I was right, but I wasn't righteous. And the goal must be restoration and reconciliation. Band, if uh, you're available, you can go ahead and come back up. Um, Jesus, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you today, but in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying this prayer. And I want you to know something. Did you know Jesus, the Son of God, prayed for you? Isn't that incredible? That the Son of God prayed for you in Scripture. He prayed for me in Scripture. That's pretty incredible. This is what he said. 
And I'm not going to read the whole chapter. The whole chapter is incredible. Go back and, and read the whole chapter sometime. But this is what he says in John chapter 17, verse 20. I do not ask for these only, talking about the people that have been saved, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. Verse 23 says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So this is what Jesus says. He says, Heavenly Father, make them one as we are one. He says the same way that you and I are unified, Father, make them unified because what's gonna happen is they will be vessels of, of the glory that you've given me. So he says, you've given me glory that I've given them. They are vessels, you and I are vessels of God's glory in the world. So God's glory is evidenced in the world. People see that, but they only see it when we're unified. They see God's glory most clearly when we love each other well. When we don't say, you've got to think exactly like I think and act exactly like I act, but when we can say, you and I are different, but we're going to walk hand in hand because we're going to the same place. It doesn't matter if we voted for the same candidate. It doesn't matter if we live in the same neighborhood. It doesn't matter if we go to the same place. None of that stuff matters. At the end of the day, we're together in this place. Homothumadon, same passion, same fire. So we're going to walk hand in hand in spite of this. And the world will see the glory of God. And beyond that, he says, the world's going to see how much God loves them because of how unified we are. So today, if you're here and, and you've been struggling with some bitterness towards somebody else in the body of Christ, maybe in this church, maybe outside this church, and you've gone, well, I don't need to deal with that. I'm telling you today, you do need to deal with that. If you're here today and you've been struggling with the the temptation to compare and go, well, I wish I was that and I wish I had that gift and I'm just a toe and I wish I was a hand, whatever it is, I want you to say, you know what, God, thank you that you made me who I am, unique and different because I complement the body in unity well. Maybe you're here today and you struggle to lay down your preferences for the principle to see people saved, to see God transform this world, whatever it is, I just want to challenge you to begin to practice these things. How do you get better at anything? You practice. Um, Ohio State doesn't show up on game day and hope they play well. They practice and practice and practice. And what is practice? Well, practice is just us doing something repetitively to make thoughts, behavior, and actions natural. So if you're not accustomed to laying down your preferences for the principle, then you begin to work on that. Say, you know what, this is just a preference. I'm going to lay this down. If you're not accustomed to deferring to somebody else, to extending grace to someone else, when conflict comes your way, that's where you go, okay, I'm going to practice this. I'm not going to get it right all the time, but I'm going to, get to begin to practice this. I'm going to humble myself. God will work in your life. God will help you. So what do we do? We practice. This is what's going to happen right now. The worship team is going to lead us one final song. We're going to go after God together. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit's going to begin to reveal some things to you as we're singing this last song, that he's going to show you some things that, that he wants to work in your life. Maybe he wants to remove from your life. Maybe he wants to change in your life. If you're here today and you're not a believer, like I said, in just a moment, Pastor Kyle's going to come and dismiss us, close us all out, and he's going to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Christ if that's you. But I just want us to go after God together as we sing this last song. And then in just a moment, Pastor Kyle will come and 
finish this off. So stand to your feet all over this room. Let's worship together one more time before we go today, guys. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And I just want you to know, I love you. God bless you.